Let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless your name today, Father God. We ask, Lord, that you speak to us in a mighty way, Father. Help us to be receptive to your word, Father God. Receptive to your message for our lives today, Father. And help us not to just leave it there, Father God, but put into plan, put into practice what you have prepared for us, Father God. Lord, we bless your name today, Father. Lord, we long for you. We long for your word. We long for the communion with you, Father. Speak to us today, Father God. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So, this week, um, for those of you who don't know, I work in, uh, in construction. Uh, I supply material for large construction. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's quite a daunting task. So, once a year, we have what's called inventory. Inventory is horrible because that's when people come out from outside and they say, did you count everything that you, that we have in your warehouse? The worst part is, is when they say, we cannot find said thing that you found in your warehouse. And then you start worrying. So, as I was sharing with, uh, with a sister today, this sermon has gone through so many changes it's just it's it's left me dumbfounded so as in my prayer i said god minister to us i'm right there with everybody so today i said why not god put me in this position or in 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 my position at work over 20 years it was a part-time job i figured i'd get a chance to come closer to meet my wife and kind of hang out because it was in Long Beach. And I thought, hey, perfect. And 20 years later, it's still a part-time job or a temporary job. (laughs) And it's all because of this. Because this week I had inventory. And it brought to mind that we need to do inventory in our lives sometimes. You're like, why is that? Inventory. What do you have in your life? What's important to you? You got school. You got homework. You've got uh, engineering classes. You've got um, uh, swim. You've got uh, you've got everything. You've got medical bills that you got to pay. You've got uh, customers that you have to deal with. You have students that you have to talk to. So what are we doing with that? So, in opening God's word, he took me to what else? Where else can we find a good stock, a good place to say, okay, what does my inventory need to look like? What am I supposed to be looking like? So, where do we go? Well, definitely the Bible. To God's word. But what about putting a little finer point to it? Let's open up to our, in our Bibles to Hebrew, chapter 11. 
How many know that without even looking at the title, how many know what, what chapter that's about? What is it? Heroes, heroes of faith, um, men of valor, men that present good testimony, men and women. So it starts off. Um, verse one. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Well, that's that's a conundrum in itself. So we're supposed to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded, commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then it goes on from there. It lists a long list of people. Verse 6 caught my attention. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, if you don't have it in your Bibles, in your, in your tablets, you need to under that, underline that portion, because we're going to come back to that. Who earnestly seek him. You know, so, some would say, oh, that he rewards. That, that, that doesn't matter. The rewards are just, but who earnestly seek him. And it keeps going on, just listing off. And, and we're going to go so much so, and I love this. This is, this is great. Because you, as a worship minister, you always, I always hear this. And, and, and he go, you hear the preacher always say, well, you know, we're short on time, so I'm going to make it quick because uh, the songs went over too long. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, okay, well, Lord knows. Uh, but verse 32. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, who weakened, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and, and routed foreign armies." Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused by release, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. And it goes on. So you see that even back then, they were still so excited. They wanted to cram so much into it. Because into, mind you, this is a letter. He wanted to put so much into it that he, he thought he was running out of time. He wasn't going to have enough time. To just list everybody. So he just highlights. Boom, boom, boom. This is what they did. This is what they did. This is what they did. So. So I'm sure you've caught a couple of those names and, and other names that were in there. Um, I think that's, that David was one of the ones listed as, as one of the. Oh, and by the way, there was David in there too. But you see uh, Noah. Abraham. 
Enoch, Moses, and Jacob, Joseph. You know, so I started wondering, I was like, there is no way that I, I can even come close to measuring up to these guys, to these people. And it's true. I can't. These guys were were just men of faith, called out in the Bible. Men of faith. But, God says that this is to teach us something. So what do we have in common with these people? What do we have in common with these people? Well, we share the same God. Amen? Same God that David played his heart for and just praised. It's the same God that we lifted our voice today to praise. The same God that told Noah, hey, build me an ark. He's like, God, it hasn't rained. Say, don't worry about it. Have faith in me. Put your trust in me. That's the same God that we serve. But putting a finer point on it, all these people listed in Hebrews 11 made a decision. They made a choice. You know, all of us make a choice when we come to the, to the, to the Lord. Amen? We sat in, in maybe some pews or maybe in a Sunday school class with our teachers or maybe at a park and said, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I recognize that I am a sinner and that the only way to heaven The only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. And for those of you who haven't said that yet, well, hold on tight. So there's that first decision. But you know that there's also another decision. I was watching a preaching uh, on TV the other day, and and the gentleman was saying he he was a, uh, a preacher's son. And he, uh, he said, you know, I, I, I've seen my dad preach and I've seen him get knocked, like, worried, um, frazzled. I know who he is behind the pulpit or off the pulpit. And he's like, I grew up in church. I did the whole thing. I did the, the Sunday school. I, I did the youth group thing. And, and, I, and I grew up in church. I mean, some of us have grown up in church. Other ones haven't. Uh, I have. I was a PK also. And I know what he was talking about. Because I went through the same thing. As I was growing up, I went through the motions. You know, you know the right answers to say. You, when they ask, what, I love it, I asked Miss Janine once and she said, well, the right answer is always Jesus. If you are called on and you don't know what the, 
<laughs> Some people are already like, hey, don't give, the, don't give it away. If, if you're in class and they call on you, you say Jesus and 50% of the time, you're probably going to be right. But, you know, and PKs or pastors' kids have the worst reputation. Because they, they do know all the things. They do know what to say and when to say and how to say. I live through it. But then there comes a moment in your life where you make that decision. Yes, you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal slavery. That was a beautiful decision. It's wonderful. That's what saves us. The fact that we accepted Christ. And the way I look at it is he accepted me. But there comes a moment in your life where you start to really think, am I just going through the motions? Does it really mean anything to me? And hold on, because that's when you have your come to Jesus moment. I don't care how long you've been in the church. You're always going to have your come to Jesus moment. So as I was looking at this long list of, of, of believers, one stood out for me. His name was Jacob. How many know who Jacob is in the Bible? Yes? Kind of yes? Kind of no? Yes? Good. All right. So Jacob, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, Jacob basically is the person that God used to fulfill his promise to his father or to Abraham. But right off the bat, Jacob, well, that's kind of a, an odd kind of name um, because Jacob translated means what? Was it? No? See, this, I, I, it's interaction because you guys are falling asleep on me. I get it. <laughs> Jacob, what does Jacob mean? Uh-huh. It means grabs a heel, heel, or it also means supplanter. Basically, it means he's a liar, a deceiver, a trickster, an opportunist, conspirator, manipulative. Did I say liar? Yeah, okay. So, this is like... Wow. How, how, how are you going to have one of these guys? Yes, I said one of these guys. In with all these other heroes of the Bible. If you turn to your Bible in Genesis 20... 37, sorry. You know, see, people are starting to cringe. They're like, oh, he's going to the Old Testament. Oh, no. We're going to get laws. We're going to get history. But history that applies. Genesis chapter 37. Well, actually, I skipped forward. His story is a long story. So chapter 37 is the last place where he finishes up 
So we're looking at chapter 20. Ah, chapter 25. So, what does he do? Well, when he was first born, he was fighting with his brother. He had a twin brother that was given to, 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 um, to his mother. And one came out all nice and strong. And, and they even said he was hairy and he was, he was well, well versed in, in how to hunt and do things. Um, and then they say that, and it, where is it? Uh, Esau's heel. Let's see, boys grew up. Verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter and a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. So, as they were coming out, they were fighting, trying to get out, and Esau got his hand out first. They put a little red ribbon around him saying, okay, this is the first one. Because that's a big thing for, for uh, Jewish people, is the firstborn. So, as they grew up, you'll follow and say, verse 28, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So, right there you see a first problem. As parents... Have you ever had a child come up to you and say, which is your favorite? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've had, I have three and, and yeah, look at you guys. They're all giving me the same look. It's like, it's okay, dad. You don't have to tell the rest of them, but I'm the favorite. <laughs> now, Jacob and, and his wife, they had favorites. And they started going back and forth. So Esau and Jacob were, I'm sorry, yes, Esau and Jacob were constantly at each other. So much so that Jacob, I mean, Esau was, was out hunting one day and he got tired. And he was thirsty and he was hungry and he showed up and Jacob was sitting there stirring up some, some soup had some nice cool water and Esau said hey give me some food and what does Esau I mean what does Jacob respond well let's look at the word once once when Jacob was cooking some stew Esau came in front in from the open country famished he said to Jacob quick let me have some of that red stew I'm famished Jacob replied first sell me your birthright Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is, it, is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear it to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling him his birthright, all for some soup. Well, so he got the birthright. So, but he wanted more. He wanted his father's blessing. So what does he do? He's like, you know what? I'm going to take the blessing too. So as their father was on their deathbed, verse 
Jacob comes up to his father and pretends to be Esau. And he puts on some goat's fur on his arms and on his neck, put on his brother's clothes. And, East, and, and, and Jacob's father couldn't see well. So he's like, well, hold on. Are you really Esau? Because you sound like your, your brother Jacob. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm Esau. So he goes, come here. So he felt his arms. He's like, felt them all fuzzy. And he's like, okay. And he smelled them. And he smelled like Esau. So what happened? Jacob got away with the birthright. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever a man's son, who, for who, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We see in Genesis 25, verse 23, that God had already said to Jacob, said that Jacob would be blessed. But Jacob wanted to make sure. He wanted to put in his two cents. He wanted to help God. Verse 23 says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be strong, stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So God had already said, Jacob was going to be the blessed one. Nobody knew how, because Jacob was the second one born. But God had it in his control. But Jacob, being who he was, said, no, I'll take care of this. Well, things went wrong. Esau got mad. And Jacob ran. So, as Jacob deceived, he goes out and he comes into his uncle's territory. And Jacob realizes, okay, I'm going to need to work somewhere. I'm going to need to feed. And he comes up and he says, hey, I'm your nephew. And he accepts him. He takes him in. And he says, okay. You know, and right at the top, at the beginning, he meets Rachel. He's the younger daughter of, of Laman. And Rachel's like, according to Jacob, she was beautiful. She looked wonderful. She was, she was a shepherdess taking care of uh, her father's goats. And she knew how to do what she needed to do. And Jacob fell in love with her instantaneously. And he told Laman, hey, look, how much do you want me to, what do you want for your daughter? He said, okay, you need to work for me for seven years so that you can gain my, my, my daughter. He's like, okay, not a problem. He loved her. He went after her. He worked for her. And he did a great job. But Laman pulled a fast one on Jacob. So right before they got married, or when they got married, the night of, he says, Rachel, hold on. I'm going to send your sister Leah in there. 
So when Jacob finds out in the morning, realizes, oh my goodness, this is not the one I was, I was wanting to marry. So he goes and he tells Naaman, hey, you pulled a fast one on me. And Naaman says, well, you got to continue. If you really want... See, our, our custom is that we don't give the youngest daughter out before we give the oldest daughter. So, uh, according to our custom, this is what you got to do. He's like, but... He's like, eh? This is our custom. If you want Rachel, you have to work another seven years. So what does Jacob do? He works another seven years. So time progresses. And God had a plan for Jacob. Jacob, in, in uh, Genesis 28, verses 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and I and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. So Jacob is already putting down terms with God now. He made a vow with him, with conditions. So God said, okay, I'll let you... We'll go on with this. We'll let this happen. But he was already preparing Jacob. So as we see, he had to work seven years for Leah, seven years for Rachel. And then, of course, he needed some some goats and sheep and everything, so he worked another six years. So in total, it was 20 years that he worked for his uncle. In that time... He recognized Genesis 31, verses 41 and 42. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages ten times. If the God of, of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And the last night, and last night he rebuked you. What stands out is that Jacob said... If the God of my father and the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me. Jacob finally realizes that he needed God. That all his trickery, all his, his moving around and doing what nuts and what if, he realized that none of that was doing anything. That he needed God. 
he realized that the goodness, that God's goodness does not rely on how righteous he was. He realized that he was not entitled to God's mercy because he found, because he followed him. He received God's mercy, God's goodness, because he depended on God. He humbled himself. He stopped everything and he said, you know what? I can't do this. All this trickery, all this treachery. I've got a lot of stuff that went on in my life. I, I, I just got to expand on God. Jacob comes to term with Esau. And you, so what happened with Esau, remember what happened? He stole his birthright. He stole his, his uh, blessing. That's why he left. But he had to come to terms with that. So he said, all right, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to take my family. And I want to make sure that my brother and I are okay. So he takes all his, his family, his herds and everything, and they start traveling back. And he sends a, a, a messenger to his brother. He says, hey, I'm coming back and I want to talk to you. So as he's doing this, he's sending in all his family. He's sending them all. Uh, he sends all this, these goats and he says, okay, as you come up to my brother, tell him that this is a present from me to him. And he does it with four companies. Until he's left with just his family. He comes to a river, a Jordan. And he sends his family over this Jordan. He says, okay, you guys are going to stay there. I got to hang back. Genesis thirty-two twenty-two. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the, Jab- of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him till daybreak. So he's standing there and he's, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's got Esau that's going to be, he thinks he's going to try to kill him because they left off on bad terms. And then a man comes and he starts wrestling with him. You know, when he was wrestling with him, uh, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome 
So this is Jacob's come to Jesus moment. He is wrestling with Jesus Christ himself. Now, in our lives, as we're living, we go through problems, we have issues, we start questioning, we start doubting. And we wrestle. Now, there's a difference between wrestling and fighting. Wrestling, you're, you're going about things and you're grappling, you're, you're kind of trying to figure things out. Fighting, you're just, I'm going to win, period. Because... When he wrestled with Christ, it didn't matter who was going to win. We all knew that Jesus was going to win because Jesus wins. Amen? No. What Jesus was trying to find out was what, how bad did, did Jacob want it? How bad did Jacob want it? How, how much was Jacob just really, okay, I need this blessing. I want this blessing. And halfway through it, Jesus reaches out, hits his hip, and according to Jesus, crippled him. He should have backed off. But he didn't. He kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. He persevered. In your bulletins, you'll see the front portion. Refer to Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. I want you to read with me, starting at verse 3. Praise be to God and the and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ. But to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. And it continues saying. So what is our purpose? What was Jacob's purpose? He wanted that blessing. He knew that being with God, serving God was the way that he needed to live his life. What is our purpose? According to Ephesians, our purpose is to serve God. Our purpose is to, what does the, the, the Great Commission say? To go out and preach the gospel. Our purpose is to glorify God. Acts chapter 14. 
verse 21 and 22. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. You know, how bad do you want it? If I were to come to you today... And I would have done this. Well, let's open the word of God and uh, let's start preaching and so forth and so on. You'd be sitting here looking at me like you are looking at me. (laughs) He's like, what is this man doing? Why is he preaching sitting down? This is how we live our Christian lives sometimes. We preach sitting down because it's comfortable. God wants us to stand up for him. Acts says we're going to go through hardship. It's going to hurt sometimes. We're not going to like what he wants us to do sometimes. But that's what he's called us to do. It's at those times, just the way Jesus was testing Jacob and saying, how much do you really want it? Do you really want to be blessed by the one true living God? And Jacob stood there and said, yes, I do. So we started off with a come to Jesus moment. What does that mean? That's when Jesus meets you right where you're at and says, how much do you really want it? How much do you want to see what I have prepared for your life? And what that looks like is totally different for every single person in this church. But this is the great thing of God is that we all have a different purpose But we are one in spirit and in mind. When one person isn't here, we feel it. We're not whole. But we need to pull together and go through those hardships to meet our purpose. It's not easy. God never said it was going to be easy to serve him. But sometimes we think it is. I was I was uh, deeply impacted last Sunday when uh, no, not because of that. Because 
as we were gathered here in this sanctuary, 26 people lost their lives. But they were at church. So it's okay, right? They lost their lives. Where their spirits were, where their hearts were with the Lord, we don't know. The only person that knows that is God. Had they already had their come to Jesus moment? Had they been in the presence of the Lord? You know, some of you have had your come to Jesus moment. Some of you guys are are just loving God, wishing to do more for them, for him. Others still haven't figured it out. Others come to church and they listen and they enjoy and they listen to the word and they love the songs. And then they go to their homes and be done with it. I was almost going to follow up by saying that's okay. Well, that's their life. Like I said, everybody has a different walk. So the second decision, it counts. What do you choose to to do? Are you going to stand up for God and say, Lord, I want your blessing on me? Or are you going to just sit there and say, thank you, Lord, give it, give it. You know, nobody can answer that question but yourself. I've always done that. I've always wrestled with myself. I said, Lord, what does it mean? There comes times when I say, forget it. I'm done. I'm just going to blend into the church and, and, and uh, go to a mega church and nobody will know me and I'll be fulfilling my, my, uh, my duty by going to church. But that's when you wrestle with God. And God shows you where your faith stands. He grapples with you. If you're really engaged. Or is it at the moment that Jesus says, hey, you're, you're coming to me asking this question. Do you know what? Hold on. Let me, let me really just. What did he do? He whacked his hip. Even in the word, it even says that Jacob or Israel blessed Joseph's sons standing on his cane with a limp. That limp never went away. Well, Paul even said, can you take this thorn out from my side? He had a limp. It's our decision. Don't you love it when God does that? It's our decision. He's here. And he's waiting for you. Waiting for us to come in and say, I want this blessing. I want to do what my purpose is that you've called me to do. I want to step up when nobody else will.
You know, I was raised by uh, by my wonderful parents, very uh, very Baptist, and we did a lot of the hymns up until I came of age and I had my come to Jesus moment, and God thrusted me into into the music ministry. But one of the hymns that I remember constantly being sung. Well, and I, I was I, I had looked for it before and I, I finally found it in this hymn book. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Miss Carol, can you go ahead and start playing and see if you guys remember this hymn? Does it ring any bells? Nice. Now, y'all didn't know that, did you? <laughs> I know you did. You know, we have, the church has forgotten that we're in a spiritual battle. Why this song, Onward Christian Soldiers? Well, because we have to remember that we need to struggle. That we need to stand up for Christ. So I'm going to invite you. Take a stand. Stand up for Christ. It's hymn number 731. And I know for our younger people, Dave's going to throw it up on the... There you go. And we'll sing verse 1 and the chorus. Father, we bless your name today, Father God. We understand, Lord, that you have created us with a purpose. We understand that you also have given us the choice to choose to follow that purpose or to choose to reject it. Lord, for those of us who haven't uh, accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior the first time, Lord, Lord, I ask that you be with those hearts. And if you today have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you want to accept him, repeat this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that I cannot make it to heaven on good deeds. 
or on my own accord. What I do recognize is that through Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross, accepting all my sins upon him, I can be saved if I accept his salvation. For those of you who are coming into your Jesus moment, Lord, I ask that you speak to our hearts. Reveal the faith that you have put into us, Father God. Help us to understand that we do have something in common with the heroes of faith. Because it is by faith that we are saved and not by works, not by actions, not by our words. It is by faith. Lord, draw us close to you, Father God. Help us to walk in your path and help us to say yes to the purpose you have laid before us. We ask all of this in your precious and holy name. Amen. And just a little tidbit for you guys. That last verse that we took, it's from the book of Acts, right? I don't know about you, but I always, I'm fascinated by this. The book of Acts. It's the book of actions. So God calls us to take action in our faith. Acts didn't happen by people just sitting there and waiting for God. Acts happened when people stood up and said, God, here I am. Use me. Book of Acts. It's in motion. Amen?